We live in a world uh, filled with unhappy people. And I think if you look at it statistically, depression is at an all-time high, uh, especially among young people. And yet, uh, if you look at our day, especially in the Western world, we have more wealth, uh, more conveniences, more gadgets, more reasons, uh, you could say, to be happy than ever before. So why are people so miserable in our world today? Well, we're going to find the answers uh, here in Luke chapter 15. So let's begin reading in verse 8. And we'll read all the way through to the end of the chapter. We, we looked at the first seven verses this morning. Uh, so let's read together verses 8 uh, through 32. I will begin in verse 8, if you can read verse 9, all the way through to the end of the chapter. The Bible says in verse 8 of Luke chapter 15, Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house, and seek diligently till she find it? Okay, men, we need some leadership. So men in the middle, if you could help us, because often there's a gulf between the front and the back. So Brother Luke, Brother Austin, Brother Marshall, Brother Samuel, if you really anchor us, follow those men's lead. Uh, I'll begin in verse 10. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. And he arose and came to his father, but he, when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet. For this my son was dead, and is alive again. He was lost, and is found. And they began to be merry.
And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and entreated him. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. And he said, Behold, thy son It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead, and is alive again, and was lost, and is found. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we... We thank you that you love us more than we can fathom and that uh, when we came to you in our, our sin and, and came repenting, Lord, that you welcomed us with open arms. Lord, we thank you that you love us and you embrace us joyfully no matter how far we've gone from you. Father, these are such glorious truths here in this passage, and we pray that in these next few moments as we just take a brief look at them, Uh, We pray that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes to behold wondrous things out of your law. Uh, We pray that you would give uh, this preacher wisdom, that you would guide my tongue, that you give me clarity of mind, uh, and that your truth would be imparted to your people for their edification. Uh, Father, we need to hear from you tonight, and we pray that you would move in our midst in a mighty way. In Jesus' name, amen. So, what is it that makes mankind so miserable? Uh, Well, number one, as we're going to begin looking at the the parable of the woman and the lost coin, number one, it's because of displacement. Displacement. Look at verse 8 of our text. Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, does not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently Till she find it. In this parable, the coin is not where it should be. Uh, and until the coin is, is back to where it should be in the possession of the owner, uh, it, it does its owner no good. And the coin, of course, in this parable is representative of a lost sinner. It represents every lost sinner that is apart from God. And I believe the woman here is a a great picture of how the Holy Spirit works through the church, uh, the bride of Christ, to seek after lost sinners and restore them to where God wants them to be. And and I'd like you to see a few things about the coin uh, that are very comparable to us as human beings. Uh, First, with the coin, it is stamped with an image, stamped with an image. Could you turn with me just a few chapters over to Luke chapter 20? And there is a a very interesting story here that I believe is applicable uh, to the text that we're looking at in Luke 15. Luke chapter 20, verse 22. They've they've come to Jesus uh, in verse 22. The Bible says, 
Is it lawful for us to give tribute unto Caesar or no? But he perceived their craftiness and said unto them, Why tempt ye me? Show me a penny. Whose image and superscription hath it? They answered and said, Caesar's. And he said unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which be Caesar's, and unto God the things which be God's. Now, in this passage, is the Lord Jesus saying that God doesn't own that money? Is that the point he's trying to make? Of course not. Uh, God owns everything. Even the things that are Caesar's really, in fact, are God. So what's the point uh, that the Lord Jesus is trying to make here? Well, I believe he is comparing uh, humanity uh, to these coins. Because notice, he says, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which be Caesar's, and unto God the things which be God's. You see, you could tell that that coin was Caesar's by the image that was stamped upon it. And what image has been stamped upon us? Well, Genesis 1:27, God created man in his own image. And then you look in the New Testament at James 3, verse 9, and we are told men which are made after the similitude or likeness of God. So we're like those coins of Caesar's. God's image has been stamped upon us. We belong to God. His image has been stamped on us. We belong to him. But also, uh, another thing you notice about a coin, not only is it stamped with an image typically, uh, but it serves the owner's interests. It serves the owner's interests. That coin, uh, its job is to serve the interests of the owner. The owner chooses how to spend it, what to do with it. Uh, it, It's for the owner's use. And us as human beings, we have been created by God to serve his interests. Revelations 4, verse 11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, including every human being, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Now the coin, when the woman lost the coin, it it couldn't do her any good while it was lost. It couldn't serve her interest. She couldn't spend it. She couldn't use it for anything uh, in in her life. And and when sinners are lost and and far from God, they can't serve his interests. And also with the coin, we know that a a coin is supposed to be invested. Supposed to be invested. So we as human beings, we we have God's image stamped upon us. Our lives are supposed to be uh, used for his interests. And supposed to be invested in his purposes. You know, in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 15, uh, the Apostle Paul actually uses this language of being spent by God. He says there in that verse, I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. You know, as human beings, and especially Christians, our lives are supposed to be spent by God to bring him pleasure, to bring him glory. And whenever a human being is displaced from that wonderful purpose of being spent by God, being invested by him, uh, being used by him for his purpose, whenever a human being is displaced from that, they're miserable. And the church's job, like the woman in this parable, uh, under the, uh, with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, 
Our job is to go after lost sinners and help them be reconciled to God and restored to their purpose for which they've been created. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 18 through 20. And all things are of God. Everything in the universe, it's of God. It's been created by him. Who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. So we have this great privilege as the, the bride of Christ, as the body of Christ to be at work in this world, restoring people to their purpose for living, restoring them to a place where they can now be spent for God's purposes. And you know, the only reason the Lord Jesus hasn't come back yet is there's still coins to be found. There's still lost people that God is going after that are to be added to the bride of Christ before the bridegroom comes back. That's why in 2 Peter 3, 9, the Bible says the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In that chapter, Peter is talking about how people are mocking these predictions of the Lord's coming. And I was speaking with an older Scottish man recently who said, oh yeah, he's been gone for a while. He should have come back by now. But I told that man, the only reason the Lord Jesus hasn't come back yet is because he loves you and he wants to give you an opportunity to repent before it's too late. But mankind is, is first of all, miserable because they're displaced from their God-given purpose, displaced from their relationship with God. But not only does this displacement make mankind miserable, it's also complicated by number two, darkness, darkness. Notice uh, back in Luke chapter 15, verse 8. Luke chapter 15, verse 8. It says of this woman who's, who's lost the piece of silver, doth not she light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. In order to fix the problem of displacement with the coin, you have to first address the problem of darkness. Have you ever tried to look for something in a room that is dark? I walked in here earlier today and I wanted to grab uh, the space heater from up here. And I saw it, but it was too dark for me to tell whether or not it was plugged in. And so I wanted to, I wanted to turn the light on first because I didn't want to yank it off the floor and then the plug come out of the wall. So I turned the light on first and then I could see. And we've all been there. We've entered into a dark room. You can't see well enough to look for anything. But as soon as you turn the light on, now you can look. And that's the case with her. She, she's got to find this coin, so she lights a candle so that now there's, there's light in the house to find the lost coin. And this, this darkness is not just here in the parable. This darkness is engulfing every lost sinner. Colossians 1 verse 13 talks about what we were like before we got saved, how God delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Then Ephesians 4 verse 18 talks about lost people. They, their understanding is darkened, and they're alienated from the life of God. You see, like the woman in this parable, 
had to have light on a candle to dispel the darkness and find the coin. The only light that can dispel the darkness that humanity is engulfed in, that has them miserable, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the only thing that can rescue sinners from the darkness of sin. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 through 6, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And Christian, this is why we are commanded. This is why we are told in Matthew 5, verse 14 through 16, ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We've got to understand from this passage of Scripture, this woman would not have found that coin by accident. She wouldn't have stumbled across it in the dark. She had to have light. And the lost people in your life and my life, they're not going to accidentally get saved. They're not going to get saved by us taking kind of a neutral stance and just hoping that one day they become interested in the gospel. It's going to take us making a concerted effort to turn the light on in their life, to let our light so shine so that they may see the Lord. There's this displacement and it can't be fixed until the darkness is dealt with. But also, there's the problem of dirt. The problem of dirt. Look in the parable, verse 8. Doth not she light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it? At this time, it wasn't uncommon for people to have uh, a dirt floor. And so you can imagine if you have a home with a dirt floor and you, you drop a small coin, it, it could be pretty easy for that to get hidden underneath the dirt. And so she had to sweep the entire house looking for the coin. And in order for uh, mankind's problem of displacement, this distance from God to be fixed, the, the problem of sin has to be addressed. Isaiah 64 verse 6, we are all as an unclean thing. And it's not until Christ enters the picture, Ephesians 5, verses 25 through 27, it talks about how Christ loved the church, gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. And so the lost people in our lives, they're displaced from their purpose for living. Their, their, their purpose for living is to be spent by God for his purposes. They're, they're blinded by the darkness of sin. They need us to shine the light of the gospel. And their sin, the, the dirt, the filth, the ugliness of their sin needs to be dealt with in order for them to be saved. But notice verse 10. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. It brings God great joy when the church gets serious about its mission of going after sinners and when sinners are no longer displaced, no longer wasting their lives, no longer engulfed in darkness, uh, no longer dirty with sin, and when Christ enters in and transforms the life, it brings God great joy. And you know the beautiful truth 
of this parable, remember uh, these parables, they have a central truth. It's that God greatly values every human being. God has, a, has, has great value attached to every single person in this room, every single person in our lives. He values us highly. The lady in the parable was desperate to find that coin. It was greatly valuable to her. Uh, some uh, sources that you would look up say that this coin could have been worth a day's wage. That's, that's quite a bit of money, especially back then. And she had to find it. And how much more does God value every lost sinner? So in order for people to overcome their misery, they, they've got to get back into a right relationship with God. Uh, but here's where we're going to spend the, the rest of the sermon. I have found in the few years that I've been alive, that it's not just lost people that struggle with being miserable. There are quite a few believers who are miserable too. And when you look at the next parable, the parable of the two sons, yes, I believe this is picturing the conversion of the lost, but there's a lot here for us to learn as Christians as well. And when you look at both of these sons, both of them were miserable. And so for the little bit of time we have left together, we're going to see why these two sons were miserable. Normally, they're seen in great contrast, and they're supposed to be, but there's actually a lot of similarities between these two men as well. And so as we're looking at them, really uh, the title of the second half of this message would be How to Become Miserable. You want a recipe for being unhappy? Just follow these two men's example. Number one, if you want to be miserable, you've got to have discontentment. Discontentment. Look at verse 12. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. He's living with his father. All of his needs are, are provided for. When we read about the father later in the parable, he's obviously very loving. He obviously cares much for his son. So it's not like this son was living in a, in a very difficult situation. And yet, growing up with his father, with all of his needs met, he said, Father, give me my inheritance now. And you've got to understand the brazenness of, of what he's doing to his father. He's basically telling his father, I'd rather you be dead now so I can get my inheritance. It was terribly disrespectful. He's showing that he's terribly discontent. He wants his inheritance now. And he's not thankful for what he already has with the father. But then, uh, that's the prodigal son. But then if you look at the proud son, near the end of this parable, verse 29, he's discontent too. And he answering said to his father, this is when the party's going on, and he's not happy about it. Verse 29, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. And so the, the older of the two sons, he's acting as though his father owed him something. I've been with you all these years, and you've never thrown me a party. And yet what, what we often overlook is that when the younger son left, both sons got their inheritance early. If you look at, at verse 12, it says, he divided unto them his living. So this older son, he's already received his inheritance from the father. 
Then he's been given a place to live and to work. He's gotten to live and work with his father. He's got it made. And yet here he is, discontent with all that his father has given him. And Christian, if you and I want to be miserable, just start being unthankful. Just start complaining. You want a surefire route to being unhappy. Start grumbling. Start complaining. Quit thanking God for all that he's given you. That's what both of these young men did. But then number two, you want to be miserable? Well, the second ingredient is distance. Distance from the Father. Notice verse 13. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. But I want you to notice, it says, he took his journey into a far country. You want to be miserable? Get away from God. Get away from your heavenly Father. Stop reading your Bible. Stop spending time in prayer. Stop going to church. The the more distance you create between you and your loving Heavenly Father, the more unhappy you will become. The prodigal, he was far from his father's house. But the proud son, I want you to see about him, he was far from his father's heart. Oh, he was still at home. Oh, he was still in, in, in near proximity to the father, but his heart was light years away from his father. Look at verse 28. There's a party going on. The the fathers welcomed the younger son home. Look at verse 28. Speaking of the older proud son, he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. Oh, this older son, he may have been serving the father. He may have been busy. We're told he was in the field. So He's serving, he's busy working, but his heart was totally out of touch with his father. And Christian, we've got to be aware that we can be in the right places, doing a lot of the right things, as we mentioned this morning, but our hearts can be far from God. And that is why this man as well, he's miserable, he's angry. Why? Because he let distance be created between him and his father's heart. But number three, The final ingredient, if you want to be miserable, doing your own thing, doing your own thing. Verse 13, the younger son leaves home and what does he do? He goes into a far country to waste his substance with riotous living. He wants to party it up, do do all kinds of things, doing his own thing, living for himself, and he just wasted his life. And Christian, you know what we need to be aware of? We look at this prodigal son and we think, wow, he's really awful. He's really terrible. But you know, even as as believers, as born-again children of God, do you realize that our default setting is the flesh? That if we're not laboring every day to stay close to our Heavenly Father and to walk in the Spirit and to continue feeding on His Word, our default setting is the flesh. And we're going to gravitate to sin. We're going to gravitate to things that displease God. And if we're doing our own thing, we won't be doing God's will. Romans 8 verse 8 says, So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. 
And you know, Christian, you can do your own thing for a while and you might enjoy it for a while. The, the Bible is very honest. It says in Hebrews eleven twenty five, there are pleasures in sin for a season. And you can do your own thing and you can live in the flesh and you can wander from God and you might enjoy it for a while, but eventually it's going to catch up with you. Numbers 32 verse 23, be sure your sin will find you out. Doing his own thing, we, we know with the prodigal son, it didn't end well for him. When he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land and he began to be in want. And you can fool yourself into believing that that won't happen to you, that, that you won't go that far. But don't be fooled. You, you drift away from God, you do your own thing long enough and you're going to end up just like the prodigal. But it wasn't just the prodigal who was doing his own thing. It was the proud older son too. Look in verse 29. This matter of doing your own thing. We could also say it this way. It's the problem of selfishness. And selfishness makes us miserable. And the proud older son, yes, he may have stayed home. And yes, he thought he was serving the father. But he was selfish to the core. It was all about him. Look at verse 29. Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. It was all about him. Listen, you, you got to see this. There's a party going on inside the house. The fatted calf has been killed. Friends have been invited. There's a party going on right there. Well, what it seems that he wants a kid and making merry, it's all right there for him to enjoy. But he didn't want that party. He wanted a party all for himself, all about him. And Christian, we can be in the right place. We can go to church. We can read our Bibles. But if at the end of the day, it's all about us making me happy, what I want, I want a party with my friends, if at the end of the day, it's all about us, we're going to be miserable. It's got to be about the Lord. But in conclusion, the, the big point that God is trying to make with this parable is that God embraces us joyfully no matter how far we've gone. And so it doesn't matter where you are tonight. Maybe you're like the prodigal and you, you've been wandering far from God, doing your own thing, and it, it's starting to look ugly. Or, or maybe you're like the proud son where maybe a lot of things in your life look pretty good on the outside, but your heart is far from God. It's all about you. You're not thankful for, what all, for all that God has given you. Regardless of where you're at, you have a loving heavenly father who just wants to bless you. And whether you're the prodigal, look at how the father responded to him. Verse 20, when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. You know what? Even when you're at a far distance from your father, he's still watching you. And he still cares. And he still loves you. And he's still ready and waiting for you to come home. His father saw him, had compassion, ran, fell on his neck and kissed him. And it goes on. He he gives him a robe, a ring, shoes on his feet. They make a party. And no matter how far you've gone, at any moment, if you choose to return to the Lord, 
He welcomes you with open arms. And your relationship with God can be restored at any time. But look also how the father responds to the older proud son. He doesn't have any less love in his heart for him than he does the prodigal. Look in verse 31. He said, son, thou art ever with me and all that I have is thine. And you know, that's what God is telling us tonight. Maybe, maybe we've allowed some discontentment to creep into our lives. And maybe we've allowed some, some distance between us and God. And maybe we have been doing our own thing. And you know what, the Heavenly Father, you know what God is trying to tell us? You are ever with me. The, the Bible says in James, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Christian, you can be as close to God as you want. I'm ever with you. I, I'm right here. And all that I have is thine. Do you realize what that means for us as believers? All that God has is ours. Ephesians 1, I, I could never tire of quoting this passage. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ according as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. Christian, are you happy tonight? Are you full of joy? Are you enjoying the abundant life that the Lord Jesus came to offer? If not, why not? All that God has for us is ours for the claiming. Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. You know what the, the devil wants to do in our lives? He wants, to, he wants to steal all that God wants to give us. He wants to get us away from the Father's house Get us away from the Father's heart. But Jesus Christ just wants to give us an abundant life. And so, Christian, the, the question would be, are we enjoying that abundant life? And if not, why not? Is it discontentment? Have we, have we allowed distance between us and our loving Heavenly Father? Are we doing our own thing? If so, at any time, we can return to the Lord and he embraces us joyfully with loving arms at any time. And all that he has is ours. And so Christian, the, what I would urge you tonight is don't miss out on all that God has given you. And if your heart has begun to drift away from God, return now. Don't let it get as bad as it did get for the prodigal son. Don't let it get as bad as it got for the proud son. All that God has for us is ours for the taking if we just choose to take it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this parable. We thank you that we can have an abundant life. We can enjoy all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And Lord, we've also been reminded about the great need of the lost they need the light of the gospel. They need to be rescued from their sin. And so, Father, however you've spoken to us tonight, I pray that you'd help us to respond. In Jesus' name, amen.